You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. If you have a Bible with you, uh, Mark 16. During August, we've taken four weeks to look at the last eight verses of Mark's Gospel, which records the visit of the women to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. And there they they have the shock of their lives that uh, he's not there. Let me read. Verse two, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, a Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. I was the only witness. Whether you believe me or not is entirely up to you. I saw a squirrel fall out of a tree. We've got quite a family of squirrels in our back garden. We've got a big oak tree. Uh, I was sitting in our back room and I saw this figure fall from the sky and thump on the ground and then it was a squirrel and it ran off. It missed it, it, it mistimed its leap from one tree to another and just fell out of the thing. Now, I was the only witness to that. So do you believe me? No, Jane's not sure. Jane's not sure. But, um, see, do you believe me regardless of what I tell you? Am I trustworthy? I've got a bit of a reputation for not lying, but telling people things, having a bit of fun. Some years ago, uh, there was a very snowy period in the winter here, and the snow went on for weeks. So uh, Fiona and I decided to go to uh, southern, uh, southern Spain, Alicante, to get away from the snow. And we booked this very nice place up, up in the, the, the hills. And um, when we're there, the first time we're there, uh, we go down to the coast, quite a long drive. We're in the sunshine, short leaves shirt, just enjoying the view and the sunshine, then travel back up the, uh, up the mountainside to our lodgings. Um, next morning, I get up. I usually make Fiona a cup of tea in the morning. I get up to make a cup of tea, look out the window, and I said to Fiona, it snowed. She said, go away, it's not, <laughs> that's not true. I said, it's true. No, it's not. And she thought it was one of those, you know, we've escaped the snow. We've gone to Spain and we're snow. We were snowed in for a couple of days. <laughs> we didn't know we were above the snow line and the snow had come. And so to escape the snow, we were, we, we, until they cleared the road, we, we were snowed into, into this apartment. Um, it has happened to me in the past that I tell somebody a story and they say, ah, oh, not true. Sometimes it is true, sometimes it isn't. The women had this problem that they had just 
had the most amazing experience that they've ever encountered. And the, the effect on them, verse 8 says, after this encounter with this angel, they were trembling and bewildered. And that's where Mark's gospel ends. If you're in your version of the Bible, I don't know if it's on the uh, digital Bibles, but at mine, underneath that verse, there's a line. And it says, uh, some ancient texts don't include the bit afterwards. And it is generally thought that this is a synopsis of general Christian thinking that was later added. And the original ending of Mark's gospel is, it's gone missing, it's not there. And so, his story ends with women trembling and bewildered, not saying anything to anyone because they were afraid. Previous sermons on these first eight verses, we've looked at why we meet on Sunday, because it's the day Jesus was raised from the dead. We've looked at this anointing to the body of Jesus, how we bless Jesus now and how we bless the body of Christ, which is the church, now, last week, Matt talked about the resurrection and how it deals with that overarching enemy, death, where death is defeated. And here, in the last of these series, I'm going to just take that verse, the angelic message to these women who are terrified, who says, go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And the commission is to women who are what on earth is going on? The, the angel says to them, go and tell. They don't understand what has happened. What am I going to tell these people? We went to the tomb. The angel says, look, that's where he lay, but he's, he's not here anymore. He's going to Galilee. What? You must be joking. And I want us to try and understand the importance of that message that the angels gave to those women. Why were they trembling and bewildered? This is the anomaly in this story. They weren't afraid because of the presence of Jesus, which was often the case when Jesus met demonic beings and some people who encountered him, they had that sort of reaction on them. They weren't afraid by the presence of Jesus, they were trembling because of his absence. He wasn't there. If he's not there, where has he gone? Now in the life of this church, we go through all the experiences and the emotions of family life. And I'm gonna to touch on something that, which is sensitive for, for quite a number of people here. But I need to say this, so we get the impact of what's happening here. And maybe the most emotionally challenging experience we have is when we get that unexpected phone call that somebody has died. It often happens in our ministry and it's happened from some of you with your family members. We, get the, we answer the phone, I'm phoning up to tell you that so-and-so has done. And, and the shock and the bewilderment of that, it goes very deep. It happened uh, with my father. Uh, one of the last conversations I had with my father, he said, you, you know, because of his heart probably, he said, you know, I could drop down dead any day. And I remember the day it happened, it was a Mother's Day, uh, and my mother phoned me, and she was in quite a state of shock. Dad's dead. And even though it was expected, when it happens, we all know, doesn't it? It, it touches us to the core. 
Fiona's own parents, they lived with us in our house until both of them died. And they were seriously ill, but when you go into their bedroom and find that they have died, it's a... And these women, they've been processing these awful events of a horrific crucifixion and the death of Jesus. Once Jesus was arrested by the Roman authorities, his death seemed inevitable. They knew what was coming. Unless Jesus did this escape trick, which Peter and Judas were hoping he would do, they're arresting us. Why don't we take a sword and defend ourselves? Why don't we, uh, Judas, why don't we try and manipulate the situation so Jesus can get out of this? But me, people would know, once the Romans have got hold of you, the death sentence, you're dead. And so they know Jesus is dead. They've gone to anoint his body to show respect to him. And the message that the angel gives to them gets to the heart of their perception of Jesus. Notice what the angel says. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. We never call Jesus a Nazarene, do we? <laughs> That's not a title we give him. But in the days of his flesh, in the days when he walked on earth, that's who he was. There's some controversy about that title, the Nazarene. But Matthew says because he went and lived in Nazareth, he was called a Nazarene, fulfilled the, pro the, the, the prophecy in the Old Testament. And it was Jesus as the man who lived and grew up in Nazareth, who ministered in Galilee, who sometimes visited J Jerusalem. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. He's gone. He's not the Nazarene anymore. By the resurrection from the dead, he is the Christ. He is the Lord. We know him not after the flesh, because we've never met him in the flesh, but we know him as the resurrected Lord. No wonder the women were bewildered and trembling. I'm not being crass or insensitive. I'm saying this to make the point because we need to get hold of this. My, my parents lived in Lempster, uh, and that's where both of them died. And if they, they attended a Baptist church in Lempster, and I know my father had died, and the undertakers had taken his body away, if a few days later, somebody from the Baptist church in Lempster had phoned me up and said, Clive, I've just seen your dad in town. You, you, you got, you've got to be, you must be mistaken. You're, you're having a, a flashback. It's somebody else. It can't be that. No, we saw your dad. You see, that was the impact on these first disciples. Jesus was bloodily crucified and buried. And now people are saying, we've met him. And we're so familiar with that. We forget the impact of it. These women had just come to terms with his death. Now they've got to come to terms with his life. He's alive. What on earth? And the angel says, now go and tell other people. What I, my mind is, is in a stew. I, I can't get my head around this. So what are we going to tell them? What, what, what uh, Mr. Angel... What do you think we're meant to tell these other disciples? 
You've trusted us with this message. I'm so confused. Well, what they had to tell was their own experience. We went to the tomb. The stone was rolled away. There was no body there. We saw the cloth where they'd laid him, but he was gone. The tomb was empty. And there were rumors about the people had stolen his body and all sorts of things. But these women saw the empty tomb. They had their own experience to share. They had the message that the angel gave them. And he said, uh, he's not here. See the place where they laid him. But this is what I'm asking you to do. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you. What, he's still around? He's still making decisions. He's still active. He's got plans for us. I thought he was dead. And the angel says, he's going ahead of you just as he said he would. Do you remember what he said? Son of man must be crucified, but after three days he will rise and you'll see him again. So they've got their own experience. They've got the fact that Jesus is live, he's, uh, he's animated, he's thinking, he's a living being. And they've got the remembrance of all the things that he said when they met with him. It's one of the lovely facts about the gospel is that in, a, in an age, in a culture where it really was true, the testimony of women was not trusted. And Jesus allowed the first witnesses of his resurrection to be women. And he entrusted these women. It's, it's how Jesus valued and elevated the status of women. But the disciples didn't believe them, perhaps because they were women. <laughs> in, in that synopsis account afterwards, the writer says, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, she went and told those who had been with him and were mourning and weeping when they heard that Jesus was alive, that she had seen him. They did not believe it. That cannot be true. I want to say something very important here. Those first disciples who heard that message were asked to believe on the same basis that all of us here are asked to believe. Just to be really stupid, it's like me telling you the squirrel fell out of the tree. That's my testimony. And these disciples were asked to believe the testimony of these women. They hadn't seen it, they hadn't been there, but they've got a first-hand witness. I want you to believe what I'm telling you. Now, later on, when Jesus met with the disciples, you remember the story of Thomas. He said, unless I see, I will not believe. What did Jesus say? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believe. And that is what we call downright simple faith. I take the evidence of what people have witnessed, of what they've heard, the words of God as recorded in the scriptures, the word of Jesus. They put it together as a bundle and I said, I'm telling you, this is what happened. And I believe it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we don't walk, uh, we, don't, we don't live, we don't uh, walk our walk of faith on hard facts. There are hard facts about the resurrection, but it takes a step of faith. I'm going to put my trust in what these people have said. And millions and millions of people do that and know it's true. 
And very especially, he says, the angel says, and tell Peter. Why Peter? If you know your Bible, you'll know why Peter was singled out. He'd betrayed Jesus. He wept bitterly when he couldn't testify to a, 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 a girl in the courtyard who wanted to associate with him with Jesus. He thought that was the end. I've absolutely blown it. That's the end of my, oh, I've really screwed it up here. In a sense, the sealed tomb was a, a sort of a, a picture of Peter's life. He's dead, I denied him, it's sealed, it's over, it's done. And the angel says, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus wants to know Peter, wants to Peter to know that I'm alive. That that wasn't the end. That that wasn't the end. Hang on, Jim, 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 Jim. Just, just wait a minute, please. That wasn't the end. What, what we've got this picture of the, the sealed tomb, that it's all ended in failure and disgrace and shame. Actually, Jesus rising from the dead breaks that bond and says there is a hope and a future. And there's a future for these disciples too. Whereas they'd seen their Lord crucified and laid in a tomb, that message, what does it say? He's going ahead of you. And he wants you to meet him in Galilee. See, I like this picture of what the angel says to uh, the women to tell the disciples. Sometimes as Christians, we're doing stuff and we're asking God to bless it. I'm going to do this. God, will you please bless our endeavours? Could you make it successful? You know, we're, we're committing this to you and we want you to bring your blessing and your glory onto it. Well, it doesn't work like that. It's not God chasing us and our agenda. What the disciples have said to do, Jesus says, I'm going to Galilee. I want you to catch up with me there. And that's what it means when Jesus is Lord. He takes the initiative. He takes the initiative. It's his plans, it's his decisions. The disciples, they, in their confused state, eventually when Jesus had left, they hide in the room. And they, what do we do with this information? But Jesus says, I've got plans. I've got, I've got a job for you to do. And I'm going ahead of you, meet me there and I'll talk with you. That's what it means when we say Jesus is Lord. Not that he will bless our life. And let me say this very pertinently because we've been in this, uh, in this work for many years now, uh, dealing with lots of families. If you're gonna move house, if you're gonna get married, um, for some people, Family life is very difficult and the strains come in and divorce is on the agenda. Um, if you're looking to change jobs which are uh, life-changing, don't go and say, God, I'm doing this, could you bless it? Seek the Lord first. Seek the Lord first. God, is this where you're going and am I following you? Sometimes the Lord in his graciousness 
does allow things to work out, but we've known many a story where people have acted on their own initiative and it has not been for the best. Now we have a God who can turn bad things into good, but wouldn't it be better to do the good thing first? And so that's the message. I'm going ahead of you. Meet me there. That was a commission to the disciples. That's our commission too. Because when he met them there, he commissioned them now, go into the whole world and tell. And it, it's a commission that uh, they fulfilled after the day of Pentecost. And through persecution, they went into the whole world. And what did they tell? The message very simply was, Jesus, whom you crucified, is now risen from the dead. Now, that is the message of the church. Years ago, there was a Churches Together meeting, and Malcolm Moss, anybody remember Malcolm Moss? Yes. <laughs> um, he, he was the prospective candidate, and the churches met together to talk with Malcolm Moss, the prospective candidate. Uh, conservative candidate and I was dismayed the church has so much to talk about and there were leading church figures who wanted to talk about the green issues and the potholes on the road and I'm thinking this is the church what is the message of the church that Jesus is alive there are so many things that we can talk about, but primarily our message is Jesus is risen from the dead. Now, if that's true, that changes everything. It means that forgiveness for sin is available because Jesus paid the price and his resurrection is the guarantee that that forgiveness works totally and fully. It means that death is not the end. So let me refer back to those in our church family who have lost loved ones. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead means that we shall meet again. Those who die in the Lord will live again and we will be together with him forever. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonia, Thessalonica, he says, comfort one another with these words. And if you don't know what these words are, read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and see what the, the church's message is of encouragement to those who have died before the Lord's return. It means that in the whole world, the lordship, the, the supreme governance, the boss, the absolute ruler is Jesus. There is no other name higher than his name because of the resurrection from the dead. And it means that there is a new order coming. It's begun already, new people, but Jesus who has risen from the dead will bring about a whole new creation and heaven and earth will be joined. We talked about that last week and we will live in a new creation where peace, righteousness and joy will fill the whole of creation. And the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's our message. And our commission is to go out and tell people about that. And you might be bewildered and trembling saying, have I got to do that? Yes, you have got to do that. If you believe in Jesus, they've got to know, they've got to know. And we might be like the women. I've got, I've got to leave this place and I've got to go out there and tell people that Jesus is risen from the dead. Yes. Have confidence in your own experience. That's what the women had to do. Tell of what you know.
Grow in our understanding. If we're a bit bewildered, learn more about the faith so that you can give an answer for the hope of which we have. Share how Jesus is meeting you and talking with you today. How he's going ahead of you and leading you and blessing you. Refer to the scriptures. This all was in fulfillment of what was foretold and Jesus fulfills them precisely and exactly. The disciples couldn't do that. They had this commission. They couldn't do it. They were terrified, as the women were. <laughs> Dumbstruck, I don't know what to say. Until what happened? Until the Holy Spirit came. Until they were endued with power on, on high. And then all that was stored up within them, that experience, that understanding, that knowledge, that understanding of Scripture, their relationship with Jesus, it just burst out by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we did that activity earlier. By all means to all men. So in the church we use every avenue possible to go and tell to this community that we live in that Jesus is Lord. Good old God, he understands that. <laughs> Are we together in this? Are we together in this? Go into your world and tell them that... Jesus is alive. And tell the Peters, tell the Peters who have absolutely blown it and failed and made a mess of it, there is hope because Jesus is alive. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me pray and then we're going to have coffee together. Thank you, Lord. You're our inspiration. You're the fount of hope within us. You're the source of our ability. You're, 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 you're the resources that we have. Thank you for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit that enables us not only with words but the whole of our life to be a witness to you. Lord, and our prayer is in this time, in this age, through the faithful witness of your people, many too will come to know you as Jesus, and, uh, uh, Jesus as Lord and Savior because blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. And I pray that you will en en enhance, equip the ministry of this church to be a light in a dark place, to be a voice where there's so many confusing messages that we can boldly declare that we believe. We believe in God the Father, we believe in Christ the Son, and we believe in the Holy Spirit, and we believe in Jesus as Lord. Amen. Amen.